Welcome, everyone, to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant Taylor Marshall. This is a special Podocus Magnus episode. So sitting next to me is Peter, the guest star. Hey, Peter. Good evening. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, and Cami, the permanent guest, is here as well, permanently. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's your shackled here. Yeah. Um, to the table. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like Please. Loki, imprisoned below, beneath here. <gasps> Whoa! Oh, spoiler! Spoilers! Whoa. <laughs> Re-record it. No. Okay, so everyone, yes. Um, mystery is a podcast where every week we select a myth and or history to kind of jump into... Uh, we'll give you a little story as best we can regarding that, and then we'll try and talk about the history a little bit um, with some help from uh, something that rhymes with Schmickipedia. So <laughs> uh, we are venturing back to Norse mythology, as Peter just sort of let on. It's been a long journey. Yeah. We're, we're like back here. September. That's when it aired, or that's when it came around. Um, we, yeah, we talked about Thor's hammer back in our second episode. Um, that was really fun. And Loki's general... What do we call oh it? Oh my uh, gosh, douchebaggery! Yeah, right, <laughs> he's just, but he's the perfect like writer's tool. We'll get into it later. Um, so, <laughs> what we're going to talk about today, because so, it is a huge pantheon of stories and everything like that, um, we're going to talk. The focus of today's podcast is going to be Ragnarok, um, and we're also going to talk about uh, Balder. Um, I'm I'm going to discuss about Balder. Peter's going to take over the the story of Ragnarok, and then Cammy's going to hit us with the history. Yes. Um, this time, so we'll see if she did her homework. I'm excited. I absolutely did my homework. <laughs> she I, did. I have more sources than uh, than Wikipedia too. <gasps> That's Whoa. awesome. Yeah. Can you pronounce any of them? Yeah. <laughs> that was a the pregnant s- pause. Smithsonian. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, I was like, that's good. That's really good. Well, um, I I got lucky. I, there's a great book that I found called Asgard Stories by Mary Foster and Mabel Cummings. It was written in 1901, so suck at copyright, no. Um, <laughs> it's available on the Gutenberg Project, which is the free ebook or free book project. I'm going to link it in here because it's really good, but that's where I'm going to be reading from. So um, I think we're going to get started. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to turn the volume down on it real fast? Or uh, mute it? I don't know how. It's okay, I'll, I'll edit this out. Uh, I figured. <laughs> I'm smart. It's good, it's good. All right. So to talk about Balder, um, Balder is believed, you know, we've talked about the uh, Norse mythology, but to kind of give a little primer, um, there wasn't ever a text written, really, in the same way that other religions were written down, mm. and nothing was really studied as much. So there's a lot of where this comes from, um, the sources and things like that. But it's in, in many cases, it's believed that when, when Balder dies, the beginning of Ragnarok begins. And what is what is Ragnarok? The twilight of the gods. The end. The end. Yeah, literally the end times. Um, and we'll we'll discuss kind of the meaning of that later. But so to, before I start reading, um, there's a few kind of like check marks that occur. One of them being Baldur's death, and the other being Loki finally getting shackled after all his years. So <clears throat> here's here's Baldur. So Baldur was the best beloved of all the gods. Odin was their father and king. To him they turned for help and wise advice. But it was to Balder they went for loving words and bright smiles. The sight of his kind face was a joy to the Aesir, who were basically the gods, uh, and to all of the people of Midgard, which is Earth. They sometimes called him the god of light, a good name for him because he truly gave to the world light and strength. Balder was the son of Odin and Frigga, or Frigg. He was the most gentle and lovely of all the, jo- the gods. 
His beautiful palace in Asgard, where they lived, was bright and spotless. No evil creature could enter there. No one who had wrong thoughts could stay in the palace of love and truth. At last, after the bright summer was over, for many days Balder had looked sad and troubled. Some of the Aesir saw it, but most of all his loving, watchful mother, Frigga. Balder could not bear to worry his mother, so he kept his sorrow to himself, saying nothing about it. But at last Frigga drew his secret from him, and then his friends knew that Balder had had dreams which told of coming trouble. Dreams of his leaving all his friends and going away from Asgard to dwell in another land. Hint, hint. Odin and Frigga, fearing the dreams might come true and they must lose their beloved son, began to think what they could do to prevent it. Then the loving mother said, I will make all the things in the world promise not to hurt our son. And so Queen Frigga sent out for everything in the whole world, and everything came trooping to Asgard to her palace. All living creatures came from the land, from the water, and from the air. All plants and trees came, all rocks, stones, and even the metals under the earth where the busy dwarves worked. Fire came and water, as well as all poisons and sickness. Everything promised not to harm the good Balder, except one little plant called mistletoe, which was so small that Frigga did not send for it, feeling sure it could not do any harm. Now I am happy once more, said the queen, for our Balder is safe. And she sat at peace in her beautiful palace, rejoicing that her dear son was free from all danger. But Odin, the wise Allfather, still felt uneasy even after all these promises, fearing what might happen. So he took his eight-footed steed, Sleipnir, and rode forth from Asgard to the underworld to find Hela, the wise woman who ruled over that far-off land. She could tell everything that was going to happen, and she knew the names of all those who were coming to dwell with her. Odin was the only one wise enough to speak with Hela, for no one else knew the words that would call her forth from her dwelling. But when Odin called, she came to answer. Tell me, he said. For whom are you making ready this costly room? We make ready for Balder, the god of light, replied Hela. Who then will slay Balder and bring such darkness and sorrow to Asgard? Again, said the wise woman, it is Hodor. Hodor, excuse me. Oh, God, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Balder's twin brother, who will slay the sun god. And with these words, she vanished. Sadly, Father Odin returned to Asgard and told his wife the words of Hela. But Frigga was not troubled in her heart. She felt sure that nothing would hurt her dear son. One beautiful sunny day at the end of summer, the gods had all gone out to an open field beyond Asgard to have some sports. As they all know <laughs> that nothing could hurt Balder, they placed him at the end of a field for a target and took turns throwing their darts at him. What? That's <laughs> fucked up. Like, that's like what you do the nerd, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That sounds like my childhood. Uh, yeah, I know. Long, with the lawn darts. No locker could <laughs> be stuffed into that would hurt him. Anyway, <clears throat> just for fun of seeing them fall off without hurting him, they thought this was showing great honor to Balder, and he was pleased to join in their sport. Loki, yeah. you, know, you know it's going to be over, happened to be away when they began to play, and when he came was angry in his heart that nothing could hurt Balder. Why should he be so favored? I hate him, said Loki to himself, and began at once to plan some evil. All this while, Queen Frigga sat in her palace, thinking of all her dear sons and of how much good they did to the men. As she sat thus thinking and spinning with her hands, there came a knock at the door. The queen called, come in, and an old woman stood before her. Hmm. Yeah. Frigga spoke kindly to her, and soon the old woman said she had passed by the fields where the gods were playing and throwing sharp weapons at Balder. Oh, yes, said Frigga. Neither metal nor wood can hurt him, for all things in the world have given me their promise. What, said the old woman, 
Do you mean that all things have really vowed to spare Balder? All, replied the queen, except one little plant that grows on the eastern side of Asgard. It is called mistletoe, and I thought it too small and soft to do any harm. Before long, the old woman went away, and when she was quite out of Frigga's sight, threw off her woman's clothes, and who do you suppose it was? Why no woman at all, but that wicked Loki. <laughs> of course, who hurried away out of Asgard to find the poor little plant that did not know about Baldur's danger, wasting no time. Right. <laughs> mm. When he came to the place where the plant grew, Loki cutting off a branch quickly made a sharp arrow, which he carried back to the playground, where the Aesir were still at their game, but all but one, Hodur, the god of darkness, Baldur's blind twin brother. Then Loki went up to Hodur, and said to him in a low voice, Why do you not join with the others in doing honor to Baldur? I cannot see you to take aim, you know, and besides I have no weapon, said Hodur. I should probably start saying hotter. Come then, <laughs> here is a fine new dart for you, and I will guide your hand, whispered wicked Loki. Then he slipped the arrow of mistletoe wood into Hodur's hand and aimed it himself at Baldur, who stood there so bright and smiling. Then Plo... Poor blind Hodder heard a dreadful cry from all the gods. Baldur the Beautiful had fallen. Struck by the arrow, he would now be taken away from them to live with Hela in the underworld. Every heart was filled with sorrow for this dreadful loss, but no one tried to punish him, who had, he, him who had done the wicked deed. For they once stood upon sacred ground, and the field was named the Peacestead, or Place of Peace, where no one might hurt another. Besides, the god did not know it, was the false Loki who had hated Baldur that had struck him down. When Frigga heard the sad news, she asked who would win her love by going to the underworld to bring back Hela, to bring back Baldur from Hela. Ermod, the swift messenger god, ready to do his mother's bidding, set forth at once on the long journey. Nine days and nights, he traveled without resting until he came to Hela's underworld. There he found Baldur, who was glad to see him and sent messages to his friends in Asgard. Hela said Baldur might return them on one condition, that every living creature and everything in the world must weep for him. So Ermod hastened back to Asgard, and when the Aesir heard Hela's answer, they sent out messengers over the world to bid all things weep for Baldur, their bright sun god. Then did the beasts, the birds, the fishes, the flowers and the trees, even the stones and metals weep, as indeed we can see the teardrops come to all things when they are changed from heat to cold. As the messengers were coming back to Asgard, they met an old woman whom they bade weep, but she replied, Let Hela keep Baldur down below. Why should I care? When the Aesir heard of this, they thought it must have been the same old woman who went to Freya's palace, and we know who that was. And so, Baldur the Beautiful, Baldur the Bright, did not come back, and all the dwellers in Asgard were sad and sorrowful without him. Hmm. And so, that's uh, about Baldur and his importance. Um... Again, I, I said before I started, uh, it's kind of thought of that when Baldur dies, that's the beginning of the end. Um, and uh, It's like the light, light of hope was extinguished. Right. And um, all thanks to Loki. So there's another story where Loki is um, finally caught. This source kind of um, differs in not connecting it to Baldur. But um, uh, I know... Uh, Loki Loki is essentially he's he's finally captured by Thor, chained to a mountain, um, and he's trapped. Meanwhile, um Fenrir, the wolf, mm -hmm. is also trapped. Basically everything is safe. Odin has done everything he could to prevent because he, he also knows, like Hello, like the future, essentially. I I think we mentioned it in the first uh, in the second episode with about Thor's hammer that Odin gave his eye up mm -hmm. and also uh, hanged himself for knowledge and has a, a Mimir 
Um, I'm not entirely sure we went over any of that. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't well, know. Is, we may is, have in the Yule episode. This is the re- yeah, that's true. This is the, like a, a little kind of base for it all. Then. Um, so, Peter, I, I, is there anything else you wanted to say before uh, to to line up Ragnarok before we get into this happy subject? Uh, <laughs> no, I think you covered it pretty well. Um, <clears throat> so there there is some question uh, though about like when Ragnarok occurred yeah ha, you know has it occurred um will it occur um where where does it occur in the in the norse norse pantheon um has it yet to happen has it happened mm-hmm. and will it happen again is it a recurring thing uh i prefer to think that the gods are not dead and that they've not forgotten us that they're just asleep until they're needed again so i'm going to tell you a story of what is yet to come let me tell you how the world will end It will be after the time of the gods, during the reign of men upon the earth. All the gods are asleep, all save Heimdall, the unblinking, unsleeping, all-seeing. He watches as the pieces move across the board, aligning, checking, sliding towards an endgame. The seasons will fall away until there is nothing but winter. Winter will follow winter with no hope of any warmth or spring or growth of any kind. Next will follow a great war among men, fighting over the last living scraps of the earth. Brother will fight against brother. Fathers will starve their sons as the last light of men is extinguished. The sun will disappear from the sky as if eaten by a great ravenous wolf. All is darkness except in those places where the creations of man burn to ashes. What follows is the Fimble Winter, a ceaseless season of snow and ice and deep burning cold. Earthquakes will shake the very foundations of the earth, and all prisons, shackles, and fetters will crumble. Loki's son, Fenrir, the Fenris wolf, once deceived by Odin and imprisoned by the gods, is finally free to seek his vengeance. Fenrir has not stopped growing since the day he was born, and his hunger is without end. His flanks span the horizon entire, and his jaws can reach the very heavens. Where he walks, all is destruction. The ceaseless snows cause great floods, and Jormungur, the Midgard serpent, another of Loki's monstrous children, writhes out of the tossing seas. Black poison boils from his jagged fangs, corrupting the waters and killing every fish and bird of the sea. The nine worlds will begin to bleed into one another. Sorter will lead his fire giants down to the earth, holding his great burning sword at the head of his legions. As the giant hordes ride across Bifrost, the great rainbow bridge crumbles beneath them. Loki, who has been sealed away since the death of Baldur, will escape his prison beneath the earth. He will sail upon a great ship built from the fingernails of the dead, it is the large, largest ship ever built, and it's, crew, and it's crewed by an enormous army of frost giants. Loki's daughter, Hela, supplies her father with an army of the undead. Where warriors who fall in glorious battle join Odin in Valhalla, those who die cowardly or shameful deaths march in the columns of Hela's army. On the great plain of Vigrid, Loki's army and monstrous children form lines and await the final battle. 
The time has finally come for the gods to reawaken. Heimdall will blow in the Galar horn, the same horn Odin gave his eye to drink from and know wisdom. The blast from the horn is so great it shakes the very walls of Asgard. The, the gods will reawaken, shake off a millennia of sleep, and gather their arms. Odin will, will ride Sleipnir, the eight-legged horse, another child of Loki and the fastest horse in all the nine worlds. He will lead the Einherjar, all the warriors who died good deaths, out onto the plain of Vigrid, the final battlefield. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thor will ride at his father's side, and with a great clap of thunder, the two gods charge into battle. Odin will grip his great spear, Gingnir, and cut a path towards Fenril, who has grown so large he feel, fills the entire sky. Thor aims his goat-drawn war chariot towards the great head of the Midgard serpent and whips his goats into a gallop. Frey will tangle with Surtur, but his armor melts away before the giant's flaming sword, and he is the first god to fall. After an eternity of attempts, Thor will finally kill the Midgard serpent. As his hammer sinks into the great snake's head, the beast releases a final spray of black poison into the proud god's face, killing him. Odin will attempt to strike Fenrir, where he is most vulnerable, in his ravenous throat. But with one snap of his enormous jaws, Fenrir destroys the Allfather's great spear, and with another snap, destroys the god himself. Odin will be avenged by his mute son, Vidal. He will hold down the great wolf's lower jaw with his impossibly heavy shoe, and gripping the wolf's upper jaw, tears his ruinous mouth apart. The battle will rage on and on until only Loki and Heimdall, the all-seeing, remain on the battlefield. They will walk towards each other, dragging their swords across the corpse-strewn plain. When they meet, Loki will use all his wily words and trickery to gain an advantage, but Heimdall has already seen how this battle will end and remains silent. Wordlessly, he swings his great sword, Hufud, bringing it down again and again, until Loki's armor begins to crumple beneath its blows. The two gods, fueled by their hatred for each other, battle all until they both die, beaten and exhausted. Finally, Sorter, the burning giant, who was there at the beginning of all things, will raise his sword a final time to end all things. The air itself will turn to flames. The oceans will vaporize into scalding steam, the oceans will fall again to the earth as rain, washing the land of ash, making it clean once again. But the fires cannot touch Yggdrasil, the world tree. Two people have remained hidden, in the, hidden there, the woman called Life and the man called Life's Yearning. Odin's sons, Vidra and Vali, will survive along with Thor's sons, Modi and Magni. Baldur will return from the underworld in this new pantheon, will meet under the branches of the world tree to tell stories of the old gods and begin to plan the remaking of the world. While Ragnarok is an end, it is not the end. Life will continue, and humanity will build new halls upon the land and set their tables with strong ale and loud song and new stories. I love it. Wow. Thanks. What a good interpretation. So I have a question. Yes. A ship made of fingernails of the dead? I thought that was a wonderful detail. I, I, I meant to introduce my source before I dove in yeah, here. Yeah, please. 
Um, so I, I used uh, Neil Gaiman's North, Norse mythology as my uh, source and inspiration for this, and I certainly was channeling him uh, while writing this. Um, but it's uh, yeah, there's some some great stuff in there. I had to I had to leave a lot of stuff out, or I, I'd just be going on and on. I know, but, it's so easy to. It's but, uh, so well written. But it's 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 a uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing battle. And I love the um, I love the renewal of the story. Like it's not. Yes. It's you know we get we get to try again. Yeah. Brian, why don't you go over your source while we're? Yeah. Well, so I, uh, I, I did mention them. You um, did. Yeah, I did. I mention thought them it was before the podcast. My bad. No, it's okay. Um, uh, I, I also, I had some like inspiration from Neil Gaiman's um, as well when I was like reading through. I, I injected a little bit. So, um, do you want to start on your? Yeah. End? I, I do have a question as well. Um, yeah. Why were the Why were Odin's shoes so heavy? Were they filled with gold? Not Odin. Oh, his, uh, his son, uh, v, it's Vidal or Vidal. Um, so, <laughs> in the story, he has one. His uh, his two di- his his two legs are different. He has like a normal leg, and he has another leg, uh, which um, contains. Uh, he's wearing a shoe that it's made from every piece of discarded leather ever. So, oh my goodness! So, How did he get that? Did, did I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> But hey, you know, kids out there, you know, uh, if you if you uh, have some 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 leather laying around, uh, and fingernails, yeah, collect them, keep them. Don't listen to your mom. <laughs> Vidal needs your needs your leather yeah. for his impossibly uh, heavy it, shoe. Like so we've talked, there's no base, there's no Bible for Norse mythology and stuff. Right. And it's it's funny in some accounts of Baldur's death, and um, Neil Gaiman's covers this. There's I can't remember his name, but um, so uh, there's there's a god. So Hotter who no Hotter Hotter saved. Who was the one who killed him? I can't remember. Oh, which one? It's been who who killed? Who was the blind? Oh, God, Hotter. Okay, there you go. Oh, that's right. Aramod was the one who went in the messenger. That's right. Um, so Hotter, you the blind god. Um, he's like a a fairly established lesser god in in the mythology, but then uh, in some accounts there is a god who was born literally the like the day of the day after, um, Baldur's death, and kills Hotter. In revenge, hmm. when he's like a day old. In some accounts, I've seen. Wait, when who's a day old? This kid who was born, like Odin. That sounds like um, Hermes. He, he oh, would sure. do all this stuff when he was like a baby. Yeah, that's and that's. But like, I, I was he a baby? In some accounts too, it was that like um, Odin raped someone, had this kid, and like it was literally like this kid was made to kill Hodder, who didn't mean to kill Balder. Yeah, it wasn't like his fault. Right, yeah. And there's 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 a um uh an account, not the Prosetta, there's another famous like writing of that, that try to get the, this down, but it's it's from like a very um uh Danish perspective apparently and uh written almost in a way like similar to Beowulf. It, it, it mortalizes them a little bit more and makes them a little less godlike and uh shows Balder's being more warlike. And getting into a fight and dying, rather than this benevolent kind of version. So, um, well, what can you tell us about Ragnarok? Sure, I, I'd like to go over my sources. Yeah. Um, before I don't go over them, but uh, so I I watched an episode of Real Vikings. Um, it was episode <laughs> two, Rise of the Pagans. I, I guess that's from season one. Um, BruteNorse.com, and then the Smithsonian.com had a very interesting article called. And this is kind of a spoiler, but sixth century misery tied not tied to not one but two volcanic eruptions. 
So, oh. and this is uh, this is where we're jumping in. That's awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. So, sixth century CE. This was 200 years before the Viking Age. Fifty uh, percent of the population was killed out, and it was for different reasons. Like the Justinian plague was part of that. Um, hey Byzantium, what's up? It's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy. The there was also a what, what I'm going to get into later. Um, how do you say it? Fimble winter. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> so as society was trying to rebuild from sort of this tragedy of, of half of the population really dying in this area, you have these little fiefdoms popping up here and there. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of warfare between them. And basically, um, there was a the Battle of Birka is a very good example of this group infighting. So Birka was wealthy and did very much trading even with as far away ports as Constantinople. That would be cool, yeah. Istanbul today. Um, This made it an ample place to kind of take plunder. So these Vikings, they, you know, they had these big ships. Mm -hmm. They're basically pirates and they're taking things from other people. Yeah. So Birka was raided um, several times. So at some point in their 200 year history, uh, the, the town was actually sacked and burned. Oh. Of course, these people who had these amazing long boats would go plundering in other spots, too. So this wasn't just, like, unique to Birka. Uh, what causes the other civilizations of the time to greatly dislike the, uh, the Vikings, and I'm sure, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's just they, they would go in and plunder and yeah. then they would burn stuff down. I mean, you know, yeah, they're kind yeah. of assholes. The Viking, the Viking is like a verb. To right, go right, right. Viking. To bike. Yeah, right, yeah. To bike. So it's it's where we get the ideas that these people were, were kind of the bad guys of history. Yeah. So an interesting tidbit I came across was the Filmble Winter. It's basically translated as Great Winter. It's three winters or three years of winter mm. to come. So it hasn't happened yet. The years, however, 535 through 536 uh, BCE brought such a time. So it wasn't three years, but it would have been at least three se- seasons of winter. Oh, wow. Yeah. A dust spell had covered the earth, and the Smithsonian surmises that there were two volcanic eruptions, one just before the plague of Justinian mm. in 536, and another in 539 or 540, when there was a large, um, or whenever there was a large volcanic eruption, sulfur particles sort of block out the sun. Yeah. Um, which causes the earth to cool. Right. So we mm-hmm. need it to happen We've now. Had, that's been happening recently in Southeast Asia, too. It needs like, to happen more, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I'm just saying everything's covered in soot and no one can see the sun. I don't know we much need, about the science, but uh, need, it sounds like a good idea. We need some catastrophic events to <laughs> yeah. slow down this catastrophic uh, event. Yeah, because we're not going to solve it. But anyway, that's the side of the podcast. Um, so some people claim <laughs> that the Filmable Winter was sort of remembering this time before the Norse reigned. Mm. And in that idea, the gods are already dead. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This also would lead to the idea that Ragnarok was a cyclical, cyclical event. Because if you 
if your god's already dead but you're still worshiping them then that's a cycle yeah the god would the gods would always perish and new peoples would always take up the earth yeah so another theory like outside of of the thumble winter theory is that Ragnarok is based on the influx of Christianity into the European world. Yeah. Hmm. In this case, the end times is either the Norse people accepting that their gods and their ways would be conquered by the outside force, or the end times has already happened. And in the case of the end times already happening, Christians coming into the Norse territory that heard the story of Ragnarok, they would liken it to the survival of a single man and woman who is Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this would have helped to assimilate the people into the new religion. Yeah. And that's what Rome was very good at. Well, mm-hmm. In Norse mythology, it's it's fairly well established that the first humans, Asker and Embla, were like tree stumps, I believe, that were grown out of. After, after sort of like, it, the, the beginning is very similar to Maori, where it's like, the what is that awesome word primordial yeah this you know and then um uh like in the air the giant is ripped apart by odin and them and it's, it's that it's that very famous mm-hmm. I think it's like indo-european of from the the literal flesh and bones of a of a giant figure mm-hmm. the world and everything is made and odin was there at that at that point mm-hmm. and then from there there was like a tree st- i think i think it's a tree stump but it's i know it's asker and embla yeah the, the gods carve the them from i think branches of the world tree or something right. like that yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so there's that there's that and that yeah there's that transference there of adam and eve and stuff like that the mytheme yeah we the discussed mytheme. yeah, yeah. It was, what's kind of interesting is um so i was doing a little research while cam was talking uh the poetic edda edda yeah. yeah thank you for the pronunciation guys uh that was recorded like 12th 13th century yeah um so that you know definitely during the christian era so mm-hmm. like you know the the first time that these stories were like written down oh it was like 10th century was yeah. like one of the first big things yeah i mean it was all after mm-hmm. that and a lot of it was from the perspective like there was the the history of the day you know, the, it was it was latin writers who were like i should write this shit down um yeah. you know and so yeah let it, me copy more stuff <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Um, who were, yeah, from the perspective mm-hmm. of that. And that's, that's where some of the Balder, um, like some, some people postulate that, um, there's some like Christ oh. injected into Balder. Well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not that's, subtle at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one thing is like, uh, basically Balder will come back, but his name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That was part of like sort of the research I did. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of biblical and, and, and Greek stuff here. Like they're, um, like Achilles, like the Achilles stories, really springs to mind with mm-hmm. that his invulnerability, the but one this weakness. one, this one weakness, um, his his you know Baldur's resurrection, um, this kind of Cain and Abel kind of uh, dynamic to how his brother kills him. I mean, it's, it's it's accidental, but um, you know there's there's lots of uh, you know, lots of old story themes uh, right. at, at play at play in the Baldur story and and in the Ragnarok story. Yeah, and it's it's tough too. Like um, go, going off, Sa- yeah, Saxo Grammaticus was the one who wrote the idea that Balder is. I think that was tenth century. Um, that Balder was a warlike, and and but and these fr- from historians sort of say that there's like a West Norse kind of version, and then there's the Danish version. Like all you know, Odin is also called Woden or Woden, and. That the was Germ- the Germanic, The right? Germanic, yeah, the Germanic peoples. Like, everyone was was participating in this religion 
with different names, but it, I would say it was it was a lot more closer. It, it was similar to like the similarities between like the ancient Mediterranean kind of religions. You know how kind of closely entangled they were, but but it it was even more similar. I mean, like you know, uh, I we've I've discussed it uh, a good few times in the other podcast episodes, but the the great book series by Bernard Cornwall, um, The Last Kingdom, and which is a great Netflix show too. Um, it's about it's it's about the Viking Age. And it's about the creation of England, and it's about this Anglo-Saxon boy who comes from a Christian people, but they kind of talk about the old gods. It's, it's a very popular mm-hmm. term for the pagans, the old gods. And um, he, this boy, gets captured by um, Danes who like him and raise him on the old gods. And and Bernard Cornwall does a great job of injecting the history in this really like fun Game of Thrones like mm-hmm. story and the show's great too, so I, I really recommend it. But um there there it's this cool like so it's you know it's it's eight hundreds and most especially England is really Christian, but then you do the, the Norse, all of them, they are still like praying to Thor. And there's also these really cool references of like even the people who converted, they'd be on the seas. They they'd totally be you know, they'd be going to church playing tides, but then they're on the seas and the waters get a little rumbly and there's some thunder and they're like, Oh Thor, oh Thor. You know, like they're they're like, you know, so and that there was uh uh, uh the main character to Uhtred, he he talks about the Christian god being the jealous god. And he's like, okay, like, why can't... That is a thing. Yeah. Um, I remember I grew up Methodist. I don't really practice any religion now. But that it was sort of like this This god is a jealous god. Like, that yeah. was mentioned. Because it's all... Yeah, he, he, it was he one of the first times. Yeah. He doesn't want idols. He doesn't want... Yeah. And that's... Because I, I think that was the idea. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Yeah, that's the idea that they come across sort of here is, yeah, it's like... Why can't why can't we have Thor and Jesus and you know yeah, yeah. so it's that, that funny kind of change um, from it all. Can you imagine being just during that time when you know maybe you had been raised in this other religion and then having to just completely switch your beliefs, mm. you know, over to something else? Like I just I can't even yeah. Because really, well, I don't even know if it was. A, I'm, I'm sure it was probably more important back then, but like now. It's it's really rare that you see somebody that like switches religions. Yeah, it's you know? it's it is. You're sort of what yeah. you were, what your parents taught you to be. Or sure. What... Well, I I think if someone is like, hey, you know, I need you to worship my God, or we're going to kill you and and all of your people. Right. That's that's a compelling argument. You know, yeah. it's like oh, okay, 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 I can get I can get on board with this with this uh, Jesus guy. Well, sure. I, <laughs> my my time with the Last Kingdom series and. Just a little bit. It, it shows me how important Christianity was because sure. it was a religion of peace and love and preservation in a lot of... I, I, I know that's totally debatable. Right. But um, in... Like, for the Roman influence... And then... And from all the one that I know more about, the English, you know, whenever... When the... When the, the when it was not England, and it was like Mercia and, and stuff like that, um, East Anglia... When the Danes did like almost conquer, like it, it really would have been Daneland, like if it sure. not for uh, like people like King Alfred and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, Who may or may not have existed. Exactly. Is that right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was from another podcast. History. Uh, but he, King Alfred, once when he was able to repel, he he knew he couldn't like he he knew that so many people were pagan. He knew this stuff, but he would say, "Hey, like you know, leader, these leaders would need to convert." Like I'll I'll give you the land that you want. You'll need to convert mm-hmm. though. Um, th- I mean that's you know, Normandy, Lombardy, uh, parts of uh, all. I mean England, obviously. A lot of those places where the Vikings like pretty much injected themselves in all, but just complete takeover. 
the the thing that really kept them at bay was like Christianity, and then it, and it removed the paganism. You know, mm-hmm. that's the, the old ways. And it, and it rallied it rallied the people around them to give them something like you we're, we we are England, we're English, we are thing, and yeah. we're and we're Christian, and right? Like you know, here's our flag. Let's yeah. fight for it or whatever. Yeah. I one thing about that, like people say, you know, like the fall of Rome or whatever. Sure. But I mean, did Rome ever really fall? I mean, like we, we're sitting here like today, all of us probably were raised in a Christian hmm. background. Yeah. And, well, yeah. I mean, you know, so I'll, I want to, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this because one cool in the preface for the, the Asgard stories, um, the book from 1901. So I think this is a really prof- profound kind of, I think it's really profound that this book was written in 1901. I, I just don't think of it, you know, like, sure. like especially... The, you said it was the, two women that... Two women, yeah, Mary Foster and Mabel Cummings, so, um, that wrote this piece in 1901. Um, there's a great little quote here. Uh, let me see. So they talk about, um, while the Greek mythology foreshadowed the petty states of Greece and Southern Europe, the Norse mythology foreshadowed the political and social destinies of United Scandinavia, United Great Britain, and United States of America. Um, the poetic period of the child's own race should be melted and molded into poetry, touched by a spark of Christian refinement and love, and then poured, so to speak, into his soul. The child's mind should feed upon the mythological stories and the primitive folklore of his race. So they, they, this book was kind of written with children in mind. And I just like, they kind of like, they don't pull the punch of like, I I think that they, in 1901, they have this idea that there's too much of a focus on the classics, you know, sure. and that be- Christianity was sort of responsible for that overshadowing, um, and that's fine. And it, and it, it it like it's, but it's clearly injected itself into these stories, you know, as we can see. But it's also really important because the the you know th- three extremely well developed areas, um, Scandinavia, Britain, and the North America. Uh, came from these pagans, mm. you know, the, the, the specific pagans. I mean, the more you, like, I, Cornwall said he wrote the book, The Last Kingdom series, because it's really easy for, if you're an American, it's really easy to go to 1776. That's the beginning. Right. But if you're English, it, it's really tough to kind of say, like, when did we begin? Mm. And um, to say you're English is really tough i mean there's there's a point where england was made you know it's very definitive for american and it's fairly definitive for england but if you're english like you could be welsh irish norse german frisian Mm. frankish you know there's like tons of tons of things that got absorbed into other national identities a rent you could be you could be a varangian which was the the norse or anglo-saxons that were hired but by you couldn't the be a gaul byzantiums yeah <laughs> but we were that's a whole other yeah but it's so it's it's really cool yeah the this these these peoples these they were all under the same sort of pagan idealism um and i mean this is what they were able to accomplish you know give or take so sure that's um, awesome yeah yeah I, I just i like that they they kind of put an idea of like we're we're so focused on Zeus, but there's this uh, wacky dude named Odin we can all look at too, and so it's it's just nice to see that. Um, it just sucks that there's just no not as many sources, um, that I, I that there could be, but but you see Which, it today too. For my argument, Rome never fell. <laughs> I, I'm with <laughs> you. There's so many uh, sources. Sure. Yeah. Here's an interesting idea. Like you know, if you're if you're um, you know, if you're a Christian authority figure coming into you know this this land where they maybe there were recorded uh, these these stories oh, yeah, were recorded and, des- and destroyed, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, 
and, and what we're left with is the yeah. kind of Christianized well, versions. It was, of it was a different. It was you know they they weren't a religion of uh of they weren't spreading a religion. They didn't have priests. You know um, that was like a, a great boon of Christianity. It was like let's write stuff down. You know like that sure. was what they were mm-hmm. like. Let's we gotta write this down. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. What did yeah. they have? They they don't have any. Um, they don't have a magic man or a. Anything? No, they they would have like yeah they would have people who were could read the rune sticks yeah. sure um and uh, there's really good depictions so was, of it but it was just like told yeah it was like I mean it was almost like a witch doctory and and that's the, a really good point yeah. and the skalds um I I definitely mentioned that in the Thor episode episode two of, yeah, of our show the, um the skald was a poet right. I mean and that's when you're you know you let's just say it's it's a fairly peaceful time and you're a Scandinavian. You just got back from Ireland. You got some some great slaves that you sold in London. Your harvest came <laughs> out really good. Jesus. You're you're going back home with plenty of food and you know dried meats and stuff like that. Sure. And you're bored and you just went skiing. They they literally skied. Um, <laughs> and it's late, so you can't ski anymore. So you gather on the hearth in the fire in the hall, and you talk about all the stupid stuff Loki does. You know, right. like that's mm-hmm. yeah. so that's what these stories. I feel they weren't you know. They were explanations to life, like, but they these stories were just they they came over so long over so many time periods. Um, so I want to I'll, I'll bring it back a little bit to Ragnarok because there's one thing I do want to mention. I can't remember what the source exactly does it. It might have been the Prosetta. Um, it mentions that Thor, so Thor, uh, Jormungandr, the the world snake, mm-hmm. the snake that wraps around the world, can you know bite its own tail. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Loki's many terrible children. Um, and also the the core enemy of Thor. So there's this cool thing. Um, so they, they're they're sworn enemies, and what I like this is a great tie to the cyclical nature of Ragnarok is that they apparently they've been fighting, and they have fought. And apparently in one of their fights, um, it came to a draw. But Thor hits uh, Jormungandr so hard it's projected into the future. <laughs> oh wow! Um, right, and and I guess ostensibly it's it's. In going, it's going to the point in time of Ragnarok. Now I'm going to pull this back because I, I definitely talked about um, the 2018 now 2018 God of War um, remake, which yeah. you know great uh, great video game series. Now it wasn't so much when it was set in Greek when it was kind of stupid, but um, it's a fun series. It's you know it's it's about a Greek god, a fake Greek god named Kratos, who kind of ends up in the Norse world, and it it, it all the signs of Ragnarok are showing in the game. There's it's it's like always winter. There's no one trading. Everyone's gone. Monsters are rising out from the ground. Um, you, you it's really great. You visit um, uh, Niflheim, which is is sort of like a um, a medium of hell. Um, but anyway, it, it's really great, and and they do a really cool part too. So this is big spoilers for God of War twenty eighteen. If you <laughs> haven't played, I'm serious. Just skip so skip skip like. A solid, seconds. yeah, a solid minute <laughs> just to be safe. So the son is Loki. Um, Kratos's son, the boy, the red-haired boy, Atreus, is Loki. It's it's revealed. I think I mentioned this in the pod episode too, and it's really cool because you meet Jormungandr, and Jormungandr actually helps you. And it's funny too because Jormungandr speaks this weird like oh, like language sure. you can't understand it, mm. but um, Atreus. Loki is able to understand it, and also like when you first meet, like Jormungandr looks at Atreus and it's kind of like, oh, but it's a giant snake. You can't really read it's, its a, face. It's a parcel tongue. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> but it's cool because it it plays on that cyclical nature. Because if if Atreus is a boy, he can't have ha- he doesn't even you know he hasn't realized his full potential as a he doesn't even know he's a god yet. Right. Um. But yet he's here's just a little asshole. But here's a, yeah. But here's a fully grown Jormungandr 
who's fought Thor, hates Thor. So there's this cool, there is this really interesting like cyclical part, and and also like I I made end of spoilers. Um, I've made um, I made too many that's so Raven jokes with the Oracle episode, but um, everyone, Hella, Thor, Heimdall, they all they always know what's going to happen, and I think Thor is wise enough to realize that you know when you're trying to prevent that that's what's going to cause it and right. stuff. So I I mean I think that they like. That there's a submission to it, and it's it's that idea of of recycling life. Anyway, that's mm. that's my bring it at home uh, stretch talk. That was beautiful. <laughs> uh, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. Uh, like you you mentioned, um, you know, people kind of gathering around the fire, telling these stories, yeah. and here we are, twenty twenty, yeah. gathering around. We got to put that an, out. an LCD screen, but we're still right. we're still telling these stories, you know, and um, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, these these you know that these stories. Are still important to us, right? Right. Um, we're we're just as cold as they were. Mm-hmm. Back are you in, cold? No, nah, a little bit. Yeah. It's, okay. it's all right. <laughs> frigid, frigid South Carolina <laughs> in March. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode. We're going to Ireland to pillage now. Um, <laughs> now I think that does about do it. Uh, that that about does it. There we go. That's the words. Um, well, guys, thanks so much. That this was a wallop of an episode. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed it. Um, we'll uh, we'll have another Podicus Magnus in two weeks. Aside from our regularly posted Wednesday episodes with Cammy and I, where we're probably talking about clowns or something, um, <laughs> some really profound cyclical clowns. <laughs> but uh, everyone, please let us know what you think. We're on Facebook um, on our group there. You can also hit us at mystery uh, at gmail.com. That's mystery with an I E. Keep that in mind. So, um, well, thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time. Hoist the oh. sails. <laughs> oh. Fenris Wolf.